You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And the 2-2 pitch. Hit in the air to left. Gorielle is there. The Arizona Diamondbacks sweep the Dodgers and head for the LCS. Hello and welcome to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Guardian Speed Reporter for MLB.com, and Sarah Langs, researcher and reporter for MLB.com as well. And we have postseason baseball to talk about. Had to skip a week because I was kind of going all over the place following the Twins and Astros back and forth between Houston and Minnesota to help with the ALDS coverage, but we are back and we have postseason baseball to talk about, which is so exciting. We've waited all year to be able to talk about this, and now we've gotten here. I have so many questions, one being what the heck are the Texas Rangers? I can't understand them, but we'll get to that. We can at least start with maybe going back to the LDS, because we missed we missed that week to be able to talk about that too. So I guess we can just sort of start there, if that sounds good with you. We can, but first we're starting with the fact that it's Monday. We're recording on Monday, early afternoon, before the game. So obviously, if we mention a stat, you may um, see that they've changed slightly. But also, Monday is the day before Mandy's birthday. So you knew I was going to mention it. Just making sure it's out there. Last year on her birthday, Mandy was covering a game between the Guardians and the Yankees and the ALDS, I believe it was the day where we had LCS and LDS overlapping. It was quite the mess, but we got her some cream puffs, we got her some cupcakes, and she had a great birthday, so I know tomorrow will be wonderful as well. Well, I mean, it's hard to top that because one, (laughs) watching baseball in New York, just a stone's throw away from you. I was able to see you the week before that because of all the eight trillion rainouts that happened during (laughs) that series. And I don't think I've ever been greeted at my hotel with cream puffs before because (laughs) it arrived at the same time. You did your detective work and figured out where I was staying without me knowing. It was really impressive. So... Big shout out to you. And I was able to brag about it all on Twitter, which was even better. So um, at that point, it was still known as Twitter. So I can still say that. Um, But yes, so yes, it's hard to believe that that was last ALDS and we've already moved on to this ALDS. And um, we can now move on to this, at least this present one. Um, And for the one that I was able to see was Texas... Or not Texas. That's next round. Uh, Houston. I went to Texas. Houston <laughs> and Minnesota, which I the streak is over. We can at least start there. The twin streak that everyone had been talking about, that twins players are just tired of hearing about, all of that is over, which the streak was going 18 consecutive postseason games without winning. Um, painful, grueling. I couldn't imagine being part of it. I couldn't imagine being... Um, a fan at uh, Hung Park for our, our twins writer wrote an amazing story of four fans 
Um, he followed their journeys throughout this whole streak process. Go look that up if you haven't read it yet. It was fantastic, but I couldn't imagine being part of that. Um, the streak ended with their wild card series wins. They picked up a win also in Houston, but I, I thought that the magic was on their side. It was not. The Astros were still the Astros. Um, but the series was ridiculous nonetheless. And the fans in at Target Field, oh my gosh, that was, I, I go to so many games to Target Field every single year being an AL Central team. That's not what it's like. <laughs> and this was next level. I mean, the whole first inning, they weren't even sitting down. Um, there were sections that just stayed standing. Even after the Astros scored, I'm like, what are you doing? You're, it hasn't even burst your bubble yet? <laughs> no, they were they were into it. It was loud. Um, it was really, really impressive and really a great time. I'm glad you said that because I wanted to shout out that crowd. I know they got eliminated. I know we're down to four teams. But one of my biggest takeaways maybe from the teams that have been eliminated so far was how strong, energetic, and just happy that Twins crowd was. I mean, even in the wild card round, you know, entering that first game, as you said, had lost 18 straight games. And here the fans are packing the ballpark, so excited, so loud, and that's what you love to see. And, I mean, I another takeaway, if we're going to put one there, would be Royce Lewis and his continued stardom. I mean, the two home runs in the wildcard game and the first wildcard uh, series game and everything he did throughout the postseason. We had seen this from him. He is the Grand Slam king. He had all of those records for short spans to get to three Grand Slams, four Grand Slams, what have you. And it was really cool. And when he hit that first home run in the wildcard series, and I know we're going back now, feels like we're going back years, but we're actually going back like two weeks, not even. But when he hit that first home run, I sort of had this image in my head, or like it felt like he's the young guy who has not been part of any of the prior losses, any of the prior history, basically being like, why are you guys believing in ghosts? You know, kind of that energy. I'm just saying, this isn't a thing. Let's go do this. And then, of course, he comes up in his home run and next it bat as well. So I love that. I love that energy, and I'm so glad you got to witness that too. As an AL Central, uh, you know, stand, if we can say it that way. You see all of these games, we talk about how the AL Central doesn't always get its due, and you were there to make sure it does. And with Royce Lewis, what a good dude. I mean, I was, I, I've never obviously been in their clubhouse up to this point. Um, and I was helping Doe with some Twins coverage during this series, and Royce just seems like such a stand-up dude, someone who has been around for way longer than what he's been around, and he just seems like one of those types that's like wise beyond your years and just seems just fantastic to interact with, like great with media, making himself available every single day, whether he was part of the outcome or not. Everyone just, obviously, he started, he set the tone of their whole postseason 
run, although it was shorter than they wanted it to be. It just, he seemed really like a stand-up person. So I was I was blown away by that because you, you don't always see that with uh, younger players, less experienced players. Um, and it was really impressive to just see how he carried himself. Um, but on the other side of all of that were the Astros. And the Astros obviously had that ridiculous... Uh, ending to the regular season as the Rangers struggled and limped to the finish line. And the Astros once again became the division winners. And then they went on and they handled the Twins relatively easily. I mean, they, they the Twins definitely put up a fight, um, but it went a little bit quicker than I was expecting it to. I was honestly expecting the Twins to just roll through this magic with them and keep going, but no, the Astros were the Astros, and um, it has now led them to the ALCS, and um, the ALCS against the Rangers, and I, I guess I can at least back up real quick before we even dive in too much on the ALCS. I know that you talked about the managers and um, two of the, goodness, the gold standards in this game still, two of the legends in this game still now going head to head. You wrote all about it. So I'll let you talk about that a little bit before we even get into the actual teams of the ALCS. Oh my gosh, I mean, when it became clear we would have this matchup, I was sitting here thinking, can my heart handle this series? Because these are two of the all-time greats. We love them so much. They're so beloved throughout baseball. And the fact that one will have to lose is so, so sad. But it's awesome to have them both in this situation. And I dug into basically every stat I could think of with these two. So and this is not the first time they've met in the postseason. They had that 2012 NLDS when Boat was with the Giants and Dusty was with the Reds. So that is a long time ago, 11 years ago. And they are the fourth managerial duo to have a postseason matchup at least 10 years after their most recent one. So Bochy and Bobby Cox at the 1998 NLCS, and then 12 years later, 2010 NLDS, Dick Williams and Sparky Anderson and the 1972 and then 1984 World Series. And of course, in that 84 World Series, a 29-year-old Bruce Bochy went one for one as a pinch hitter. And then Dusty and Tony La Russa had the 2002 NLCS. <laughs> and then 19 years later, the 2021 ALDS. So it's really cool to be able to look back and just all of the history between these two. They have 204 regular season meetings and the only other managers to meet in a postseason series after managing at least 200 games against each other was was uh, Baker and La Russa in that series I mentioned. It's sort of, I mean, it's a great starting point for this whole series because one, there's just so many layers to it. You have like a battle of Texas going on. Um, you have it easy for uh, the media covering it where you just 
you hop in your car and you just drive back and forth between the two series. You don't need to worry about the uh, airline schedules. You can just create um. your own schedule, pop back and forth. Um, it's it's you have all of these layers to it, and then you have these two managers who, like you said, I'm telling you, I don't I don't think there's ever a bad word said about either of them from anyone in the game, um, whether they're super close to them or just sort of had a quick passing by with one of them. The the love for these two is just off the charts. And I think I just saw Dusty Baker's quote on Twitter on like a graphic or something saying like, oh, you won one, you might as well win two. Yes. Which is so fun. I mean, it just, I, I think all of this is really fun. Um, I think the world wants to see the upset of you see the the Rangers um, p- pass, you know, d- defeat the Astros, defeat the defending champs, to defeat the team that's been in the ALCS for seven straight seasons. How is that even possible? I mean, I don't understand it. And what's incredible is that Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve have played in all seven. So they're two of only four guys in baseball history. I mean, LCS began in 1969 to appear in at least seven straight LCS that were played. The other two are Tom Clavin and John Smoltz, who appeared in eight straight during that brave streak. It was pretty incredible. And I think, like, this day and age, there's a certain, maybe always, there's a certain staying power for pitchers. Where even if you're aging, you're a pitcher, you end up on the roster, you pitch on the bullpen, what have you. For Bregman and Altuve to do this as position players, never be hurt, never miss a single year. I mean, even Justin Verlander would be on the list had he not had the year with getting Tommy John. He's the only other player to be with the organization the whole time, but he hasn't appeared in all seven. So for Bregman now to be to do that, I mean, just so incredible to me. Sarah, can you, I, you're so good at explaining everything in baseball, so I need you to explain something to me that I cannot process. Oh. What are the Texas Rangers? I don't understand. I led with this on the show because it's it's haunting me at this point because – the team that I saw in the regular season in Cleveland a couple weeks before the end of the year was not a team that I would have expected to make it to this point. And it just seems like they go in spurts. They left Cleveland, and then all of a sudden they're winning everything. And I'm thinking, okay, well, they just had a bad weekend. And then all of a sudden they start losing everything. They couldn't close out the division. They couldn't. They were limping to the finish line, it seemed. And then now they're winning everything again. It's I don't. I don't understand them. I mean, I think sports is a perfect word to describe them. I think Joe Davis has said over the course of the ALDS and now the ALCS so far about five times this sad about how they won. Won seven straight and then lost seven straight in August. In a lot of ways, that describes them. But first and foremost, this is a team with a relentless offense. We knew that. I mean, Corey Seeker, if he had had a full season, we would be hearing the debates, even though the votes are sealed, about whether it should be Otani or Seeker for MVP. And Seeker is most likely going to finish second. 
And I think because Otani missed that final month, Seager may even get some first place post and very, very much deservedly so. So they have this offense. That top to bottom is so, so good. I mean, we saw Leody Tavares in game one hit a home run off Justin Berlander. This is his team with Jonah Heim, Josh Young, and then there's Evan Carter, who debuted toward the end of the year and has been like the X factor for them. Defensively, making a great play in game one, but also grinding on base. Every single game, I am updating the stat of most times reaching base in first X games as a rookie in the postseason, and he is always either the most or tied for the most, and he is just happy to be there. And so bright-eyed and bushy-tailed in a great way. I'm just so, so excited, and I just think they have an offense that can certainly be shut down at times, but I think it is top to bottom good enough that they've been able to make it work, and the pitching has been what we weren't sure of, right? We knew starting pitching-wise, Jordan Montgomery had been good for them. Nathan Avaldi is really, really good in the postseason, but he had not a very good end to the season, so it was a bit of a question. But the biggest question was the bullpen. They're the first team to make the playoffs with a sub-50% save percentage since saves became official. That means they blew more saves than they converted. But Bruce Bochy, he is the bullpen whisperer in the postseason. We saw it for three even years in the 2010s, and he seems to have figured out so far this postseason, they've been, I think the other key is that they did win only 2 nothing in game one, but overall they've been able to get out in front enough that they haven't had to have those really high leverage situations every night, and that's key as well. I think to Kennedy Landry, our Texas writer, um, I think back to her post that she had where she took a screenshot of a Google Doc that she keeps on her computer that's her lead graveyard. (laughs) So it's just like, it it was funny because she just kept saying over and over again during, it seemed like that last week of the season, where whatever the lead of her story, whatever the first few paragraphs were that she had written, she just copies and pastes them and puts them in this Google Doc. And she keeps them throughout the year of, okay, well, I had a great start to my story, but here it went because this game was blown in the late innings. And uh, watching this, we said we're recording on Monday, watching this last night, when Aroldis Chapman came in, I was like, uh-oh. I just started thinking. It just had that feeling. I was like, uh-oh. This is, well, this is his... what... I mean, I don't mean to interrupt you, but... His worst moments of his career have come in that ballpark. Like, it wasn't even the, you know, 
intangibles or whatever. They're statistical uh, to that. Okay, carry and, on. Yes, and then the, the ball, there's a fly ball that finds the deepest point in the ballpark. And I'm just sitting there and I'm just, it just had that feeling. And I'm like, oh, oh is Kennedy have to going to have to break out her lead graveyard to go uh, save her story somewhere else that's never going to see the light of the day because... This is all about to turn, but it didn't. It didn't. The Rangers held on. The Rangers are able to take the early lead in this series. And before we take a quick break, before we move on to the NL side, Sarah, I'm going to make you do it. What do you think? What's your prediction for the ALCS? Who's going to come out on top? Do you have an idea of how many games this is going to go? What are you feeling? So I made picks on MLB.com entering the division series so i'll stick with what i said because that's an easy out i did take the astros in six i think okay i will say i'm not so sure about that anymore <laughs> but I'll, I'll stick with what's out there um we'll see what about you i'm going with the rangers because i'm choosing like chaos them. i'm choosing yes. chaos always um my dream World Series right now is the the Rangers D backs. So I'm I'm gonna yeah, try to I'm, right. I'm trying to push that. I'm pushing that narrative. I'm gonna create it myself if I have to. Um, so I'm going Rangers, but I know the Ast- I, they know the Astros. They don't just lay down and give up. They don't just let it go- happen easy. So I'm going all seven. But I I'm I'm going with the Rangers, whether it's going to happen or not. I'm going to try to will it as much as I can because I want different. I want something different and this is different and it's so fun because it's not something that we would have ever predicted coming into the season just because the D-backs ended on such a bad note against the Astros coming into the regular season. The Rangers fell apart. It's just so it's so fun. It's so different. So why not? So okay, I'm sticking with that. Well, it's sort of already spoiler alert of what I am going to predict for the second half of the show. But um, we'll take a quick break now and then we can get more into the NL side when we come back. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast. I'm Mandy, that's Sarah, and we have the NL to get to now. And I I think I, I just have to get straight to it because, like, I've been dying to talk about it, but the the Arizona celebrations that we've seen so far to get to this point of running out to the pool in the outfield, beyond the fence, they're hopping the fence, they're jumping into the pool to celebrate. Does it get cooler than that? Because, like, there's there's something about a team taking advantage of a perk of their ballpark, a quirk of their ballpark, whatever you may call it, and using it in their own celebration. And the fact that they've been able to jump into that pool to celebrate moving on to the next round is my favorite thing. Um, was it was it Corbin who 
who caused everyone to freak out because he jumped in with his phone in his hand. I think that's what I I think that's who it was. I'm trying to remember now because everyone I started to notice that he was the first one to jump in the pool this last round. And everyone said, wait, is that his phone in his hand? That is a next level of type of like not caring. But aren't phones like waterproof these days? I Supposed feel like to that's be. Like... <laughs> well, he's riskier but... than I. I can say that. <laughs> I love this, and obviously we have to acknowledge the history in 2013 when the Dodgers clinched the NL West. They did so in a game against the Diamondbacks. They jumped in the pool. The Diamondbacks got a big man, big, big man. And then in, I believe, 2017, the Dodgers had a chance to clinch the division. Against the Dimex at Chase Field again. <laughs> and they blocked the pool with like the armored horses, like the police on the horses, you know they do. And so I love that this comes full circle. They do this against them, the whole thing. And like it was just so perfect. And a, you know, for anyone who loves them. Um, a long-term grudge, let's say, which is not usually my thing, but when there's baseball history attached, I'm all in. So it was so great. And I mean, it's a perfect segue to the fact that I love this team. I mean, the way Tori Lavella was managing them and the fact that they keep saying no one believed in us, no one saw us here. That is a very overused trope in sports. A lot of teams say that, and you're like, I don't know about that. Like, who's the Georgia head coach uh, in college football? Uh, Kirby Smart, is that right? Sure, that sounds good. Yeah, I'm not (laughs) sure if that's right. But anyway, his thing last year was like, no one thought we'd be here. And it's like, I don't know about that. You guys were the number one team. So this is a team that has earned the rain. One sec, sorry, Alana, you can figure out what to do here. <laughs> but it is Corbin's word, as I was just told. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> anyway, the Diamondbacks certainly have a right to be saying this. This is a team that reminds me a lot of the 2015 Cubs where we knew the Cubs were building something. We knew they'd be really good soon. But nobody necessarily expected that 2015 would be the year they would first make the playoffs in that sort of mini um, run or whatever you'd like to call it. And they ended up losing in the LCS. But they showed everybody how good they were. And that they were for real. And I think this Dimex team is very similar. Where if you had asked me before this season, will the Dimex be in playoff contention in 2024? I would have said absolutely. But if you asked about this year, I don't even remember 
what I said about them in our premium podcast. So I love their energy. I love that they are sort of on board time. And in a really good way, I mean, Gabby Moreno making a difference. Corbin Carroll is so much fun. And then you have Evan Longoria who turned, what, 38 during one of the series. And he's there as the elder statesman. And he was the young guy on the OA race. So he's able to bring that experience as well. I mean, there's so much to love about them. It doesn't even have to go back to the beginning of the season where we would question whether or not they would be contenders this year. It literally, for me, was the last week of the season. And uh, I, 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 it was believable that they would get into the postseason. That NL wildcard race was really tight. Um, and so, yes, you could see that. But the way that they finished the year, it seemed like they were going to roll into Tampa. I mean, not Tampa. Goodness gracious, if I can even speak. But it just seemed like they were going to roll in. They had to play the Dodgers, of all people, this last series in the ALDS. And then you go into that and you sweep them. I mean, you're looking at their lineup of how they had to get here. Um, and not only did they um, get here, and not only did they get here, but they've sort of just dominated in a way of... You see, I don't know. Like, the Dodgers was surprising to me because you just see this team that we've said it. We said it every year, it seems like, that, okay, the Dodgers are just always sort of here and whatever. It wouldn't have been ridiculously shocking to me if they ended up winning in five, but a sweep to see that. Um, I thought that was just a statement and uh, kind of, enjoyable to just see someone different um and get to this point and so i think to me i I already said it in the first half of the show bring on the different it's gonna be d-backs phillies we saw phillies astros in the world series last year if that ends up being the case fun let's let's rewatch last year's world series i think that's a great time if it ends up being that um, we can watch a complete rematch. Um, even if it's Texas Philly, this Philly team is ridiculously fun to watch. Um, but completely different is what I'm rooting for. And I think it, it could be a lot of fun if it gets there. So one thing before we kind of start talking about the Phillies, I want to shout out the, the, uh, the Arizona crop. They've only had one home game so far. But that crowd was so into it. And I watched 10 WBC games there in March. And that U.S.-Mexico game was the coolest crowd I had ever seen. And just watching on TV, I was getting flashbacks to that. And I thought that was really cool to see that energy. Now I will say... If we do get the rematch, if we do get Billy's Astros, there's only been one rematch um, of the World Series in back-to-back years since we switched to having LCS and having different postseason rounds. So the playoffs expanded in 1969. Prior to that, it was just the best team in each league. Okay, ready, set, go. Since then, the only time we've had Back-to-back year rematch 
was 77 and 78 with the Dodgers and the Yankees. So I put that sort of dividing line because it was easier to rematch before that because if you were the best team in the AL, there was a pretty good chance you were going to be the best team in the AL the next year too. Whereas to get through other rounds, to get through, this would be the most rounds you would ever have to get through to get to this point. I mean, that would certainly be a very, very cool thing to say. I mean, these Phillies are amazing. I love these Phillies. And I say that. I grew up a Mets fan. We have talked about that. I don't talk about it a whole lot because, again, totally objective now. I love everyone. <laughs> but if you had told me when the Phillies were making me cry in 2007 and 2008 that I would be watching Phillies Braves and love both teams so much, I mean... I would not have believed you. And I love these Phillies so much. Their energy. I mean, I saw Lindsay Adler tweets line the other day that they're basically the definition of like, that sign can't stop me because I can't read. And that's who they are. And I love it so much. Nick Cassianos and Liam. I mean, Nick Cassianos is the first guy in postseason history with back-to-back multi-homer games. Think about that. There have been 1,766 postseason games. That was the 1766 ever. Lou Gehrig, Babe Ruth, Barry Bonds, I mean, you name it, they've all played in the postseason. And Nick Cassianos is the one to do that. I think they're a much better team than they were last year when they made it to Game 6 of the World Series. Trey Turner makes them so much better. He has a whole other level. They're pitching. I mean, Zach Wheeler, who pitched really well last postseason, he was gassed entering the postseason last year. He and Aaron Nola are very well rested. They have so many options of that bullpen. They are a force to be reckoned with, and I know the Seattle Seahawks have the uh, 12th man with the fans. I mean, we have to start talking about Bellum and the Bank and all of that as the 27th man, I guess, because that home field advantage is really, really real. And I'm going to say that in the time Mexico going to have one there by the time anyone hears this. But that crowd is incredible. And I want to give all the credit in the world to those fans who show up night after night and in the postseason. And they're, they're not just energetic and loud. They're smart. They know the storyline. They knew the Spencer Strider comment. They knew to chant, we want Strider the day before he was fishing. They know what they're talking about. I mean, that environment is as, as intense of an environment as you're going to find. You, you think about, like, 
the hardcore places like Yankee Stadium or if you're going to Fenway or you're going to Chicago, like you're thinking of all the intense fans, Philly is just up there with everybody. If not, geez, at times could be even more intense. Um, And so you think about that. That's a tough place to play in regardless. And I've said it all year where the Braves look like they were just this slam dunk team that it's just going to be, this is the best team in baseball. And to me, every time you have that, it leads to an early departure from the postseason. And I don't know why it always seems like that, but we saw it again. And um, I mean, I was watching Fox Sports like round table as as they're going into the series and they flip over to like the guys are predicting like what's going to happen and you go to Derek Jeter and he's like uh yeah I mean the the Phillies are gonna win this like there's like no doubt you're looking at this team and the Phillies are gonna beat the Braves and you heard the other guys on there like whoa like all this stuff but I mean it did seem like to me I'm looking at I'm like the Phillies are gonna do it like the Braves the Braves aren't going to beat them and we saw it again this year. This is like exactly what happened. It's um, leading up and it has that feeling of the Phillies going right back to the World Series, doing this all over again, trying to get their, their revenge this time. Um, I know that my hope is for something different, but honestly, it's it's a win-win in this case, I think. Because if you have the Diamondbacks in there, it's a, such a ridiculously fun team, a team that is does not seem like they should be there as we talked about um or you have this phillies team that is lethal and has a fan base that is equally as lethal and they are going to make the world series unbelievable in every game that's played in philadelphia so i think it's a win-win at this case um but my gosh, the way that they just rolled through Atlanta, the one of the best teams that we've seen in recent memory, uh, it makes it a little bit of an intimidation factor there for any team that has to go up against them right now. I mean, it was absolutely an outstanding team to watch. And I love, I love their energy. I mean, I just love it. All right, we can take a quick break now. We can... Oh, wait, no. No, we can't. What am I saying? Sarah, you have to give your prediction. What am I doing? I made you do it for the AL. I'm going to make you do it for the NL, even if you don't want to. What are you thinking for the NLCS? And if you have a prediction also on how many games? Uh, I I am taking the Phillies. I picked them on MLB.com, so I'm standing by that. I'll say six games again. Honestly, I I agree with that. I think it's going to be Phillies in six if I'm going to actually give uh, an actual, let me just say an actual guess of like what I truly think will happen. But I'm going to say what I would like to see just to throw a curveball out there. And I want to go with Diamondbacks in seven. Just because, one, I want both of these series to go seven because isn't that the best part of this all to make it as high drama as possible? And to just see a team that you know would, and I'm not saying the Phillies wouldn't freak out and, you know, be all into it, but to see this team that obviously has this chip on their shoulder of we don't think anyone thinks we deserve to be here 
and then to take down a, com- a competitor like the Dodgers and then straight into the Phillies, like, yeah, there's no better earning your right than going through those two teams. And so just to see that celebration, I, I it would literally be one of the most enjoyable things to sit back and watch to see a group like that do that. So that's why I'm going that way of what I maybe would like to see because it would be fun. But what I feel like in my gut is Phillies in six. So those are my two. That's my internal battle right now. And so we can take a quick break now that we gave our predictions. And when we come back, we have, my gosh, we have a full week, week and a half, two weeks almost of postseason baseball to sift through to pick our favorite moments from baseball over the last few days. So I'm going to need a minute to figure out mine. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast with me, Mandy Bell, Sarah Langs, and our wonderful producer, Alana Schreiber, joining us for our favorite segment. So, Alana, would you like to kick us off here in your favorite moment from the postseason? Let's just go with that. Yes. Okay. So I'm so excited for this one because it's going to combine a moment that I know both of you saw and then a moment that you might not know about but is very Mandy and Sarah, and I think you will really enjoy. So obviously the first is just the twins breaking their drought, but the special part about that was that Pablo Lopez was wearing a Johan Santana jersey when he came to the ballpark. Of course, Santana being a twins legend who I know from the Mets, uh, getting the first no-hitter, which, by the way, happened while I was in a high school play, and my dad found out it was happening and left the play. To go watch. Um, it's okay. He's out the next night. I want. I would have done the same thing. But the point is, I I loved that. You know, uh, Lopez grew up idolizing Santana. They're both Venezuelan. They're both pitchers, and he, of course, won the last postseason game for the Twins. And I think it's really just like what Gen Z would call manifesting. Um, and I mean, it worked. And then, of course, at the ALDS. Johan Santana was there throwing out the first pitch wearing a Lopez jersey and they hugged and it was so beautiful. But the other twins moment I really wanted to highlight. So I will say I obviously Mets fan first and foremost, but I went to college in Minnesota. I have been to countless twins games. I love that stadium. Um, Wednesday nights were $5 student nights and $1 hot dog night. So I had a lot of really great $6 nights there. (laughs) But One of the really special things about Target Field is the organist. Her name is Sue Nelson. She's a sweet older lady. And unlike any other stadium I've been to, she plays her organ really publicly. Like People can go and walk by her and say hello and join her. And I even had the pleasure of walking by her. And she invited me into her little booth to sing, um, take me out to the ball game with her and a group of people in the seventh inning once. And it was so wonderful. 
And this was in Sue's 25 years. This was her first time getting to play for the postseason. She has never organed the playoffs before because the Twins haven't been in the playoffs that much. And when they are, they lose on the road pretty quickly. So this was her first time getting to do that. And there was the sweetest article about her. And she's like, in all my 25 years, I finally get to come back in October. And it was so sweet. And the article also interviewed some other like older Twins fans who were all like, you know, it's October. It's already winter in Minnesota. We're normally headed down to our Florida condos by now, but we're going to stick around an extra week for the Twins. Um, so I just loved that. I mean, she makes this ballpark so special. And watching the Twins win their first postseason game and break their drought, I just kept thinking about Sue slamming on her organ and how happy she must be. I love that. And it's such a great reminder of how many people are affected and touched by these teams. It isn't just, oh, the team finally won. It's so many other people who get to be part of all the celebrations. So I love that. I'm glad you highlighted that moment because, like, I, that honestly was a contender for me of what I was going to be going with for this week just because the it was so special for Pablo Lopez for standing out there Obviously, he had the Santana jersey on to break the streak in the wild card series. Um, but whenever Santana had that jersey on of Pablo, when he was walking out to deliver the first pitch ball to him, um, it meant so much because that's his childhood idol. And they had not really met before. Like he had sort of said hi and stuff, but never really like an interaction. Um, and so that was like this first like big interaction with him. And you talk to Pablo Lopez, he is such a wholesome human being. Like, it literally just seems so happy and wonderful to be around. And so when he was talking about this, like, he was beaming and, like, couldn't have been happier. So I thought that was just so beyond sweet and heartwarming and all of that stuff. So I'm glad you brought that up. And then I need to double down with the fact that you were, like, the most interesting person on the planet. Yes. I cannot say it enough. You, the, every oh little tidbit that you always bring up, I don't under Like, I, the way that I don't understand the Texas Rangers, I don't understand you. Like, you have all of these layers. And you're, of course, you're brought into the booth for take me out to the ball game. Like, that nothing surprises me now that when you say, oh, I was found myself in this situation. So that all adds up. I actually, I have a photo I took of Sue that I'll send you guys, but it's okay. a photo of her playing Please. the organ. We're having a great time. This must be like six years ago now. And to think all these years later, she's still playing her organ, but gets to do it in the postseason. I love it so much. Okay, Sarah, do you have your moment? I do. I alluded to it earlier, which I didn't even mean to do, but it has to be for me. Liam Cassianos, Nick Cassianos' son, we have talked about before their great relationship and how Liam is always there at those home games, may I kind of running down to that first row whenever his dad comes up to bat. So he has a perfect view of whatever that may do at the plate. His reaction to the second home run in that game when Cassianos hit two the second time, the second night in a row, he just had the biggest expression of shock and awe. And it was so perfect. And Nick always motions to him 
as he crosses the plate. And it's just such an amazing relationship. And I'm so glad they're able to share that together throughout the course of Nick's career. But, I mean, Liam Castellanos' face was so good. It was amazing. And it was just like, could you imagine putting yourself in that situation? Being in his shoes where he's watching his dad do make history like this. And it's like he's the perfect age where you're old enough where you understand and you're comprehending everything that's happening and you're going to retain it and remember it and have this core memory and you can react to it appropriately. And he did appropriately. And it was adorable. And to see that like hit home with someone who's watching their dad do something so stinking cool it was just, that was everything it could have possibly been. It was so perfect, and I loved every second of it. I love how you guys both, I mean, I figured, but I love how you guys both hit, like, I had a couple of moments, and of course, this top two were already taken, so I'm gonna weave myself into, like, I have a tie of two clubhouse moments, so I'm gonna sort of, like, go from two clubhouse moments that's, that stood out for me over the last week of celebrations and not like heartbreak. So I'm going both ends. Um, one, the Texas Rangers. Um, I, I, there was a video. I, I honestly, I'm so sorry to whoever posted it. I don't remember who posted the video. Maybe you would if I'm sure you saw this as well. Um, the Austin Hedges, Max Scherzer celebration. And I, I had to go to it just because I, I covered Austin Hedges all last year. I covered him through the celebrations from the wild card, the postseason clinch um, in Texas, ironically, and then uh, the advancement past the wild card series, past the Rays uh, into the ALDS, and all of that adds up for me. Like that makes so much sense. You have this video of. Scherzer and Hedges just losing their minds and they're having bottles of champagne I'm guessing it was where Hedges is just leaning back and like he's like pouring champagne on his own face and like mouth and all that stuff and then Scherzer just dumps more over top of him I don't know how he's not just like drowning in that moment but he just finds another level um but it was funny because Scherzer's going just as insane. You have this long-term vet who's just acting like a child and in, in all of the best possible ways. And it was so awesome to see them that excited, that exhilarated. And for me, Austin Hedges just lives up to the hype because last year it was him constantly without a shirt on. That was his celebration. He never, he, it was freezing in Cleveland. They're outside uh, celebrating on the field with their families after the clubhouse celebration. And he's out there just topless walking around <laughs> because he drenched in champagne, whatever. He's as loud and crazy as it gets. So um, I thought that was very, very funny. I enjoyed that. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, I was in the Twins clubhouse the night that they were eliminated. And it was brutal, painful. Um, like you could just, you saw Royce Lewis off to the side. He was just staring into the abyss. It was like he couldn't even process that it was over. Um, but the cool moments of everyone's families were lining the hallway outside. Um, 
the family room was taken over by the press media room now because where they were having all of their big press conferences. So the family was stuck out in the hallway waiting for all of their uh, significant others, dads, whatever, waiting for them to come out. And children are everywhere. So it was my (laughs) perfect hallway to walk through. They're adorable. (laughs) Let me tell you, Carlos Correa's kid. Oh, my lordy. Anyway, (laughs) adorable. Painfully. Michael A. Taylor's daughter. Holy. Oh, my gosh. Was she cute. (laughs) Anyway. Anyway. I digress. Um, Sonny Gray. You don't know what his future is. Don't know what will happen. Free agent. Will Is that his last game? Um, as a twin, the clubhouse was hoping not. It was difficult for him to swallow, but he had his two sons in the post and came in the clubhouse afterwards. And for them to just sit there with the, the with his dad, I think that's such a cool experience to be able to, even if it is after a loss, even if it is after something like that, to just sit there with dad and understand what this room is like. And for the guys in that room who were trying to cope with the fact that they were done before they wanted to be done um and then they have these kids walking through the room through the room they all would stop and look up and high five them knuckle pound them like try to make them feel happy and excited to be in that room even though all of them are in pain and it was quiet and uncomfortable and they're all going around the room hugging each other saying goodbye and being disappointed it was just so neat to see how all of them were like oh here's a little kid coming by let me try to make sure that he's having a good time and i love that and i love the experience of having players kids come into the clubhouse afterwards with them and they walked around like they owned the place they didn't need sunny to be walking around with them to escort them they walked back into the back rooms and then came back out without him like they they knew where they were going like i could tell they've been in there plenty of times it was so sweet but I love the opposite ends of the spectrum of like the pure elation and celebration or this room of heartbreak, but that was still like, okay, here's the kid. We're going to make sure that this kid like is, is happy to be in this room. And it felt like a very family close knit atmosphere. So um, I thought that was really sweet and wholesome. So I like that as well. I love that. And it's also the important perspective, you know, I mean, even when a team is eliminated, yes, the ultimate goal is to win the World Series. So you're eliminated, unfortunately, that is over. But to still be able to have that perspective, you have your family, you have so many other things to focus on. I feel like having the kids there is a really good antidote. I'm excited for everything that we're about to see this next week. I can't wait to talk about what we might be able to talk about for our favorite moments in a couple days from now. So ready for all ALCS, NLCS action, especially between all of these teams. I think these are awesome teams. It's going to be uh, honestly two great series. I can't, I seriously cannot wait to watch all of them. Um, But that'll do it for this week's podcast. Don't miss an episode by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're enjoying the show or you have any suggestions for us at all, please leave us a rating and a review. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Ballpark Dimensions podcast, and we'll see you next week.